Man, that worship was off the chain. It is great. See, it feels like I've been gone forever. I was not here for a full message. I didn't do a regular message in our series called Passport. We began with Burt Rosen at CARM and then uh, Pastor Josh did an unbelievable job, and last weekend we did the video. Was that video not amazing? It's just some of the stuff that God is doing. Well, it's great to be back with you and excited about all that God is doing. Uh, last weekend I was at our Anderson County campus, and it was streamed live to our new Campbell County campus. And I'm going to have to quit greeting all the campuses because there are getting to be too many. I'm just going to say, welcome Faith Promise wherever you are. Amen. I mean, wow. So now let me ask you a question. Has God blessed our church? Would y'all agree with that? We are highly favored. Matter of fact, the two new campuses just continues to prove. I've talked to a lot of folks about, about uh, Life Point becoming a part. And what a lot of people from Faith Promise have said is, well, what's wrong with them? <laughs> well, they're really smart because they want to be part of us. Amen? Are y'all awesome? Are, are, are we awesome? Amen. So come on. See, people think, well, they're going to join. The, they want to be a part of us. They're broke. There's something wrong. No, they got money. They're, 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 they're doing great. They just said, we can do more for God as a part of faith promise than we can do as a life point. We want to be a part of a move of God. So it just goes to show you just some of what God is doing. But, but, but in the midst of that, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required or expected. We have a great level of accountability and responsibility because of the increased special favor that God has placed in our congregation. For me, that increases my fear of God. It really does. I hope you sense it. I hope you feel it. it you know, the, uh, all that's going on, and God has been good to us. Now, about three weeks ago, I was praying for you guys, as I pray for you every day. I pray for every small group, every campus, every person. I was praying for you, and I'm going to be honest, I was praying about the offering. Now, maybe you don't wake up every day and pray about the offering, but I do. I promise you, Aaron does, our CFO. And I was really praying, God, you know, would you keep us in the black? It's summer. And, you know, I don't know what it is about the months that begin with J. But in January, we take our tithe money and we pay for how we celebrated Jesus' birth. Amen. And in June and July, we take our tithe money and we go to the beach. I mean, we tithe nine months. Come on, isn't that enough? And so, and so I was praying for y'all. Man, I was really, God, keep us in the black, keep us on budget. And the Spirit of God just stopped me in the middle of my prayer. And I said, oh, oh man, I don't know what this is, but I'm about to get a word. And, and, as, and, and as I was praying for our offering in light of the budget, God really doesn't care much about our budget. Which, does that make sense? God's not ringing up saying, oh, my holy name, will they make it this week? That's not how God operates. And so God doesn't view our giving in line of our budget. God views our giving in line of our hearts. Do we give out of hearts of gratitude? Now, should we be faithful to God? Should we be generous in our giving? Should we get out of a, give out of a heart of gratitude? All right, there's four of you. Should we do that? You, do you see where we are? Come on, I'm about to get mean up here in the house right here in just a minute. 
Now, y'all remember the series we did called Tapped Out, very practical, how we can get out of debt, line our, how we can manage our money. How are you doing with the plan that you established at the end? How are you doing with the level? Because thousands of people committed to God to raise one level. We have beginners, we have learners, then we have our core that give a 10%, and then we have people that give above that. They're lavish, they're extravagant. So now, are we called to honor God with our finances? Is, is that, was that weak or is that just me? Was that pathetic or was that just me? I mean, I can preach on salvation because some of y'all need to get Jesus. Amen. Come on. And so this is, and so how does, how will God view our offering this weekend? Because we don't take an offering or don't give an offering past plates because we give online and all the ways that we give, it, it, it can tend to make us forget about how God views the offering. How did God view your sacrifice of praise out of a heart of thanksgiving for the last 30 minutes? How does God view our offering of money to him? And how does God view our offering of our very lives to him? Does he own us? You're not your own, you're bought with a price. So is it the will of God that we honor God with everything we are? Now, I was going to preach on generosity, and everybody loves it when I preach on generosity. Don't you love it? <laughs> I'm about to chase the sermon up here. One more of those, and I'm going to lock the doors, and I'm going to get business rolling here in the house. And so th this is the deal. I was going to preach on generosity, and Monday morning, God moved my heart to a different passage. Now, let me share what what, why I changed the sermon. That P word's big. Well, look, what precipitated the change and what made me do? And I'm going to tell you what it is. Are you ready? If you're listening, say, I am. It was how bad the attendance dropped in the rain last weekend. Now, does that suck or what? See, it, I mean, now, now, now think about it. It, it. it rained and our attendance went off the cliff. Is that where we are? Is that our commitment level as a church that we're not coming when it rains? I mean, does that make sense? Are y'all with me? I mean, it, do you call in on Monday morning at work? Hey, boss, it's raining. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to go to work. Oh, okay. When your kids get up and look out on Monday morning on a school day, hey, mom, we're not going to school. It's raining. What do you say? I will kick your booty, get out of bed and get in. Listen, when I was sixth grade, no lie, this is the truth. I so didn't want to go to school that day that I saw my friends walk up the street and act like I passed out in the yard. <laughs> Man, my friends ran up to me. I'm not kidding. They grabbed me. They ran to the front door, beat on the door. My mom came and said, what's wrong? Chris passed out in the yard. She said, are you awake? I said, yes. She said, get your butt to school. <laughs> See, we don't skip. Well, why would we skip worship when it's raining? Does that, does that make sense? See, I want to I give you something. Are, if, are you with me? If you're listening, say I am. If we won't go to church when it's raining, what will we do in persecution? See, what will you do when it means a lifetime in prison to own a Bible? What will you do when it means they will cut your head off if you witness? Because that is the law in every Muslim country in the world. In China, this book right here will put you in prison for three years years. All around the world, people are persecuted. They are killed. They're tortured. They're in prison. And we won't go to church when it's raining. Are we saved? 
Is he kidding? No. You can tell the pitch goes up. That's when the anointing is coming out. No. See, and, and I got to thinking. So I said, Lord, I, you know, I'm going I'm to change the message and, and all that. And then I began thinking, God, has the ease of America brought apathy into the church? Has the ease of America brought apathy to faith promise church? See, you say, but you don't know how hard I'm having it. Travel the mission field with us. And let me show you, when, when Honduras, the middle class people still cook with wood, they gather in the yard as sticks. I mean, it, it, we, we, are, we are blessed, we are favored, but if that, that ease has made apathy move in. Does this make sense? Some of you are thinking, I wish I didn't come back this weekend either. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Now, see, I... Now, there's some of you that are radical, man. You're, we got about 2,500 people here that love Jesus, that, man, you're going to be here. You're committed. You give. You serve. Thank God for you. But we got about five or 6,000 people that come about once a month, because that's all you need. They come about once a month. And my question is, where is our burden and concern for people that are going to hell? Can we, do we still want to make it hard for people to go to hell in East Tennessee? Is that still what we want to do? Is it? Now, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, clap whenever you can find a place because it's going to be hard. And have you ever seen the commercial for, for testosterone? Have y'all seen those? You're thinking, dear God, where's he going? <laughs> See, I'll be watching TV. If my sons are there and a low testosterone commercial comes on, they'll say, Dad, that's you. And so I smack whichever one's close and say, is that enough testosterone for you, punk? And so, but, but we, you know, we, it's just a number. It's not me. It's a low T. Well, let me tell you, we'll never make it hard to go to hell with low C. See, men may have low T, but the church has low C commitment. How will we ever be bold soul winners when we are afraid? How will we ever be radically red hot for Jesus when we are afraid, when our commitment is low? How will we be bold? I love what Jerry Falwell said 25 years ago. The problem with the church in America is nobody wants to kill us anymore. See, darkness hates the light I always had. So when we're shining light in the darkness, they, they get aggravated about that. In America, they don't want to kill us anymore. They just ignore us. I'd rather be hated than ignored, wouldn't y'all? Come on. So that's it. So we need to, so this is what I did. This is what I did. That was horrible. This is what I did. I went to one of my favorite Old Testament passages, which is Ezekiel 37. If you've got your copy of the Word of God, I want you to turn to Ezekiel 37. And I just meditated. Now, let me tell you, meditation is like a cow chewing a cud. For you country people, we got a lot in East Tennessee. For you country folks, a cow will, will chew a big wad of grass, swallow it. A little while later, puke it back up and chew on it. Swallow it, puke it back up, and chew on it. That's called meditation. And so all week long, I'd read Ezekiel 37, and I'd chew on it, and I'd swallow it. Then I'd bring it back up, and I'd chew on it a while. And I'd chew on it a while. And this is what I realized. As your pastor, I cannot raise the spiritual temperature of Faith Promise Church by one degree. As your pastor, I can't make you love God any more than you love God today. As your pastor, I can't make you any more hungry for the word of God than you are today. 
As your pastor, I can't increase your burden for people that are going to hell any more than your burden today. Only God has got his hand on the thermostat. Only God can change your heart. Only God can motivate you. Only God can mobilize us. Only God can do it. Now, God is very clear. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. And the great, com- the great commission, make disciples of all the nations. We got that. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But I go to Ezekiel 37 because, he's, because Israel was in the same place America is. It, it, when God gives Ezekiel this vision, it is a very cold place spiritually. It's very politically correct in Israel when he did that. They had accepted all the gods of the surrounding nations and all roads led to heaven and nobody wanted to make anybody mad. So everybody did worship and all that kind of stuff. Nobody really said anything. And so God walks in the middle of that mess in Israel and takes the prophet Ezekiel. And this is what he said. Verse one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the middle of a valley, which was full of bones. He caused me to pass among and around about and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. Now, It's a picture of Israel, and I believe it's a picture of the church in America. And if we're not careful, it'll be the picture of Faith Promise Church. See, it is, it is, it's the death rattle. If you, if you're in the medical field or you spend much time in the hospital around people that are dying, you know what the death rattle is. There's a gurgling, there's a rattle inside the chest just moments before somebody is about to expire and they're about to enter eternity. And there's this noise called a death rattle. And all across America, the church is having a death rattle. Does that make sense? It's about to bring, you say, that can't happen. Many of the churches you grew up in don't even exist anymore. The church I went to after I got saved at 22 doesn't exist anymore. And I'm going to tell you, if we don't stay red hot, listen, God will take away our lampstand. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Man, we need red hot. Listen, we're praying, God, it's our prayer meeting last Sunday morning, eight o'clock prayer meeting. One of our prayer people said, dear Lord, it's raining. It's raining. Please help them come to church today, which always makes me mad. I, and then I go to the Anderson County campus, and I walked in the door, and somebody walked up and said, hey, pastor, it's raining. And so a lot of people won't come today. And I wanted to just tear their head off, pour salt in the hole, and tell God they died. <laughs> now, I can't do that. It's my first visit there, and I'm all smiles, wonderful, compassionate pastor. Inside, I am seething angry. Because everybody knew the attendance would be down because it was raining. Help me, Lord Jesus, be nice. The death rattle is in the church. And, and I'm going to tell you, we got some dry bones this weekend. We got some people lost this weekend. We're going to have probably 4,500 worshipers. We, do y'all believe we got some people not saved yet? We got some people that are dry as, dry as dust, cold as kraut. I mean, we, we, that's what, and so we got some dry bones here. Verse three, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered and said, oh Lord God, you know, I don't know. Can we have a revival? Can we get red hot? Can God crank your spiritual temperature up until you're like a volcano erupting for God's glory, red hot that everybody that sees you knows that there's something different about you? See, what bothers me is when our temperature gets about lukewarm and God says, I want to spew you out of my mouth. People come here lost and there's no difference between a lost person and a lukewarm believer. And so they don't even know they're lost. They ought to walk in the house of God and see such a difference in us. If they work with you, your coworkers, your classmates, your teammates, your neighbors should see such a difference in you 
that there ought to be a clear demarcation between those that are saved and those that are not. Y'all agree with that? Y'all okay? And, and, so, and so he said, can these bones live? He said, Lord, I don't know. And he said to me in verse four, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, I still believe the word of God will raise up dry bones. I still believe the spirit of God can breathe on us this weekend. I believe God can cut your heart up. I believe God can burden you for people that are going to hell. I believe God can raise up an army of faith promise church. I don't know if you believe that with me, but man, I'm telling you, I believe to the core of who I am. Verse five, and he said to me, said the Lord, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. You may come to life. I'll put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put, put breath in you so that you may come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. Now, what, what amazes me about this is the same God that said, universe be there and the universe is still expanding. The word of God is still spreading out. That God would choose to use a man's voice. See, God could have spoke over the bones himself, but God chooses to use us. Every time in the Bible, there's a problem. God raises up a man or a woman. Does that make sense? He's raising somebody up. He's calling somebody out. He's, he's raising people up. That's what he does. So I prophesied as I was commanded, I prophesied there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together and bone to bone. I looked and behold, the sinews were on them. The flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. How many people have their butts in a pew or a chair in a worship center somewhere in America today, but there is no breath in them, no life in them. Are you with me? Man, well, where is the life of God, the power of God? And there was, there was this noise going on. Remember in Acts chapter 2 when Pentecost came? There was a noise. It was a great noise. And then, man, it, the, the ground began to tremble, and it was, like, it was like fire on them, and they all spoke with new tongues. There was a, a noise, and there's a noise here. Uh, and verse 9, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath. The breath or the wind. He's talking about the Ruach in the Hebrew, the spirit of God, the breath of God. So he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they stood, they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Listen, we need the Spirit of God to breathe on us and raise up a great army. Amen. Come on, somebody. Somebody help me this weekend. So, Lord, I speak to the four winds, the breath of God this weekend at every campus, at every place, all 13 services, God. I speak to you and I ask you from the four winds that you would breathe on us, God, your breath. Those that are lost today would see it and be saved. Those that are cold would get red hot. Those that are red hot will be white hot. And God, you'd raise up soldiers. You'd raise up servants. You'd raise up your army, people of God. And we're going to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. So God, we prophesy, we speak to the wind. Breathe on us, almighty God, and raise up an army. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Listen, man, we're not, listen, we don't want churches normal. Do y'all want that? See, God's will is that we raise up an army, an army that brings God glory, and that we make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Is that what we want, church? All right, that's four of you. Is this scary, y'all? Is that what we want? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I got thinking about an army. So I'm just, like I said, I'm just couching the cut. I'm just 
I'm just chewing on Ezekiel 37 over and over and over. An army, an army. What is there about an army? And I got thinking about some things about an army. See, an army has a banner. Every army has a banner. In the, in the United States, our banner is the flag. We fly the flag, right? We fly the flag. If you're born again, your banner is the cross. That you would deny, if you're going to follow me, Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me how often? Every other weekend. When it's not raining. When everybody feels good. When I think the preacher's going to be there. No. He said that we are going to be, we're going to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him every single cotton picking day. Every day. That's what he said. Our banner is the cross. See, Jesus is not a pastime. He is not part-time. He is prime time. He is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. This part-time every now and then, sticking my feet in the water, playing footsie with the world has got to stop if we're going to be soldiers of the cross. Paul looked at Paul looked at Timothy and he said, Timothy, do not be entangled with the everyday affairs of life so you can please the one who enlisted you as a soldier. So an army has a banner. Ours is the cross. An army has colors. What's our colors? Red, white, and blue, baby. Red, white, and blue. That's what our flag, that's what we fly. That's a color as Americans. What's our colors as Christ followers? It's called baptism. You just watched it. If you're going to fight for America, you're going to wear an American uniform. It's going to have an American flag. You're going to fly under the banner. If you're born again, you're part of the army of God, you're going to be under the cross, and you are going to be, have followed him a believer's baptism. That's how we put the uniform on. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And some of you are afraid to go public. Listen, when you're afraid to go public, you begin to doubt and wonder, is it true? Am I really saved? Because you are not following in obedience. You don't get to stay in a regular army if you don't obey the commander in chief. And so, so are, are, we, are we soldiers? Are we part of the army? Let me tell you what else an army's got. An ar- every army's got a commander in chief. And the United States of America is the president of America. Today is Barack H. Obama. He is the commander in chief of the armed forces of the most powerful nation in the world today. But as Christ followers, our commander in chief is who? His name is Jesus. We sang about him. We worship him. He is, we carry the cross, we wear the colors of baptism, and we march under our commander-in-chief, which is Jesus, the only one that has risen from the dead. And I want to tell you something, soldiers. There's a difference. There's a difference. There is a difference between believing and following. Many of us think believing is in. No, believing is the beginning. The demons of hell believe in Jesus and they tremble. There's just between believing him and following after him. Amen? Man, you've got to follow after him. You've got to obey him. God speaks, you obey, he moves. God speaks again, he obeys, you move. You grow, the church grows. Man, God speaks to us, we obey God and revival breaks out. God speaks again and we say, yes, Lord, and the spirit of God begins to disseminate from all of our campuses. And God speaks again and we say, yes, God, we'll follow you. We'll obey you. We'll go to life or to death. We will follow. We will march under the banner of the cross. We will wear the colors of baptism and we will obey the head of the church, which is Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the one that died for us in his name. Let me tell you what else an army has. An army has organization, doesn't it? We have organization in faith promise. It's called the Jethro model. Now, or it's Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. But in, in the, the Jethro bottle, Jethro, which is Moses' father-in-law, shows up. 
And they're on their way between Egypt and Israel. And Moses, every day, from morning till night, judges the people. They come, he just, they get in a line, and he judges. After a couple of days of Jethro watching, he said, hey, Mo, this is not cool. He said, come here, let me talk to you. So what, what, what's that, Paul? He said, listen, the way you're running this is just not good. He said, you're going to wear yourself out, you're going to wear the people out. He said, let me give you a piece of advice. He said, what's that? He said, organize the people. Organize them in groups of tens, fifties, one hundreds, and thousands. Let other people lead, let other people judge, and you judge the big stuff, and you let them judge the little stuff, and you'll, you'll prosper, and they'll prosper. If you believe this is God, do it. And Jethro said, great deal, that's what we're going to do. So they organize a whole nation in the wilderness, tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. That's what we do. We have groups of ten. They're called small groups. You guys that are running 20, 25, that's not a small group. That's a little church. So groups of ten. Then we have other groups here, and we have coaches that, run, that oversee groups of 50. Then we have senior coaches that, run, that see over groups of hundreds. And then we have staff and leaders that see groups of 1,000. Why should I be in a small group? Why should we be organized for ministry, for accountability, for development, for discipleship, for care, compassion? You say, but I don't need a group, Pastor. Have you ever seen an army of one? Have you? Well, maybe Rambo, but he's not real. Because he could whoop an army if he was real. And Walker, Texas Ranger. But besides those two guys, they're the only ones that, is an, that, that are an army of one. See, we are not independent. We are interdependent. We need each other. Amen? We need each other. We need each other for prayer coverage. We need each other to walk. Man, we're all going to hit the wall. The trail's going to come off the tracks. The doctor's going to give bad news. The lawyer's going to give bad news. Man, there's going to have something in your family with your kids. Some of this stuff that's going to happen. And when this happens, the train comes off the track and you're not in a group and you're just hanging out. There'll be nobody to help you get the track, train back on the track. It's too late to go for help when all hell is already broken loose. Does that make sense? Are, are y'all with that? Now, some of you used to lead a small group. I want to share with you. It's time to get back in the game. You say, but I had a, had a bad experience. I, I had a bad experience. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Have you, how many people had food poisoning? Let me see you had food poisoning. Was that a bad experience? Was it bad? Did you quit eating? Or as soon as you quit, you know what? Did you get another meal? Of course you got another meal. So you had a bad experience in church. War is hell. Are you with me? War is difficult. Yeah, but somebody said something bad or didn't shake my hand or they weren't nice to me. Listen, the devil's trying to kill us. Let's put our big boy britches on, shall we? Let's look like spiritual adults. Ephesians 4 says, grow up in all aspects unto him. Come on, grow up and put your big boy pants on and let's be the army of God. My goodness. Now, some of you small groups are fat and full, pregnant. In seven months, I'm going to be a grandparent. Pretty excited about that. But now, can you imagine in nine months when my daughter-in-law, Rachel, and she's out there, but she says, I think I'll keep it <laughs> right here. See, it's, it's okay for nine months. Ten months is not good, is it? What happens if that baby's in there ten months? They cut it out. 
And some of you guys, man, your fellowship is good and you've been together and you love it and you don't want really anybody else in because the fellowship is so sweet. Can I tell you something? You are going to spend forever in heaven with them. Take a million-year walk with your bros. But we're living right now, which is the only chance we've got to win the loss. It's the only chance we've got to disciple and develop people. So let's make some room for some more people. Because you said you wanted to make it hard to go to hell, didn't you? Not so sure now. There's a cost. Well, I'm too busy, Pastor. You don't understand. I, I'm busy. I'm just busy. Take up your cross and follow me. Where does busy enter that? I'm too busy to serve God. I'm too busy to read the Bible. I'm too busy to be in a group. I'm too busy to make it when it's raining. I'm too busy. I come whenever I feel like it. I'd be checking my salvation if that's how I acted. I just would. I'm telling you, I would. Because why would you want to go to heaven when it's Bible all the time? When it's God all the time? When it's worship? You don't even like worship. You come in when it's over. We have eyes. We watch. What are you going to do in heaven? Can I tell you? The Bible says it's going to be loud in heaven. Some of you are going to go to St. Peter on the soundboard and say, you mind cutting that down give me a couple hymns? <laughs> are we okay? Are we okay? <laughs> We're not okay. That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. Because listen, I didn't preach this sermon to make you happy. I preached this sermon to make you holy. I preached this sermon to help you. I preached this sermon to stretch you, to challenge you, to be all God wants you to be. And get out of a Casper milk, tell sissified, whiny, honey, baby, bottle sucking, pamper wearing, sissy that's not doing anything for God. Come on. This is important. People's forever matters. And if you're mad, why? Why? Maybe the Spirit of God's convicting you. You need to up the spiritual temperature. Now, this summer, we're going to train 100 new group leaders. Who are they? I see them. Now, America has a volunteer army. But what happens in America when there's not enough soldiers? Draft. If there's not enough soldiers... We're just going to have the draft. Well, I'm not coming to church that weekend. You will go to hell. So, so this is the deal. This is, this is the deal. We serve God by serving others, don't we? Pick up the towel like Jesus did. Give a cup of cool water in my name. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Let's get our eyes off our little holy huddle and let's focus on some others. Lord God, would you speak to some people right now who need to be small group leaders? They used to go to a group. They used to lead their Bible. They know they can lead. They're there and they're sitting. God, get them out of the grandstands and get them in the game in Jesus' name. Amen? So we're going to be done in a minute. You're saying, thank God it's over. Did I say I loved you, by the way? Have I shared that with you lately? I need to make sure and I get that out there. We're going to be done in about one minute, and this is the deal. If God is speaking to you that you might need to be leading a group, if you'll make your way to our Next Steps class, it's right beside our resources out there on the Pellissippi campus. There'll be pastors waiting for you. They've got a packet, when we're going to, you know, when the training is and what's required and all that kind of stuff, and you can pick that up, and you need to. Because, listen, if God is speaking and you don't go, you won't be able to sleep tonight. In Jesus' name.
You won't be able to eat breakfast tomorrow. Are you with me? I can, keep, I can go, and lunch is not going to be good, and you're going to call us tomorrow and say, I give, I give, okay. And so, and so you may go out there. Others of you say, man, I don't even know if I'm saved after this. I can understand that. And so there's going to be pastors, men and women across the front, love to pray with you about whatever you need to pray about or take your communication card and fill it out. Say, hey, somebody call me about baptism or about small group or, or about serving or the next steps class. Because listen, we're going to raise an army. Are y'all with that? Does God want to raise an army? And so let's, let's do the deal. Holy God, Father, we've laughed, we've had fun, but mighty God, this is not a laughing matter. There's some people right now you're touching that need to say yes to serve. Be group leaders to help care for and love other people. You've already equipped them. We'll, we'll train them. But God, I pray that you move. There are others who need to be saved. God, don't let them leave without giving their heart to you. Others who have been sort of lukewarm, they, they drop in from time to time. And God, I pray that they'll be every week, every day believers, followers of Jesus. God, raise up an army. I pray next weekend as we have Father's Day and as we start a new men's series that you raise up some spiritual studs. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Pastors, come on forward.